Hello, and welcome back to the Tells Podcast. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Boosie. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. What uh, what week is this of quarantine? Well, this is week four of the Tells Podcast. Okay. Did we start re- the reboot of Tells Podcast on the first week of quarantine? Um, maybe not the first week. Maybe like the second week, something like that. And today, on week four, to celebrate one month of tells we're going to have a special guest guests plural do we have champagne as well we do you still haven't made jean-francois cocktail that's right yeah jean-francois i'm sorry Mm. Uh, and all the people who waited to see it on your instagram that's right promised i'll do it today i'll do it tonight so it'll have already disappeared by the time you guys are listening to this off my stories (laughs) some good news we got some listener feedback. It's amazing. So not only are we going to have guests, which you'll hear from shortly, but we have some listener feedback as well. People finally got bored enough to send us a message. It took four or five weeks, but we got messages. Let's get into it. So Brandon wrote in and said, thanks for coming back for a few episodes. I have a few questions for Andrew about playing live in the future. How much do you think, how much did you think of hygiene, touching so many cards and meeting new people at max? Will you change any habits as far as what you do after playing live? How careful were you before the pandemic? Thanks for writing in, Brandon. Straight to the, to the question. Yeah, straight to the, straight to the point, straight to the questions that are going to be on our minds uh, going forward. And uh, I'm not sure there's answers to, to be honest with you. Because we don't know when the next meetup game is going to be. We don't know when casinos and more specifically poker rooms within casinos are going to open. I imagine poker rooms might not open at the same time casinos do. Since poker rooms are very much uh, probably the most social uh, aspect of a casino. You know, sharing cards and chips. Which is what you're asking about. And prior to all this happening, I never really, um, you know, worried about... The hygiene. I guess like if I were to think about all that stuff like regularly, I'd probably just freak myself out. <laughs> you know, I do look at chips occasionally. I'd look at the chips occasionally and some casinos are better than others in terms of cleaning them more regularly and some just kind of have like these like dirt spots that have collected like on the chips. Grooves of dirt. Like, like little they, mounds. Yeah, they have etching, right? A lot of the mm-hmm. chips have etching and I've seen like dirt just, jammed in there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty gross. It's pretty bad. How do they clean them? Do you know? Uh, I do know that the Bicycle Casino, I think they might have just invested in this machine that uh, it's basically like a sort of like a dishwasher type looking thing, like a a big washing machine that uh, sticks, you stick racks of chips in there and it it Mm. washes them. So they must be waterproof, I guess. The chips? Yeah. Seriously? What? (laughs) What did you think? I mean, it's a clay chip usually and then it's coated in something, right? To make it, I assume, waterproof. Makes sense to me. You're making a lot of sense here. And I don't play poker. So anyway, like going forward with all that hygiene stuff, I don't know. It's uh, it's a concern, I guess. And I'm really like uh, not all that eager for poker rooms to open up all that quickly at the moment. You know, I would uh, love for there to be some sort of like medical advancement. Like what? <laughs> well, just like in this very specific regard, you know. So medical advancement, how? Just like in terms of a vaccine or some sort of thing that helps with the the symptoms of this particular trouble do you i don't know if we should talk about this vaccines this is not the podcast for vaccines i mean do you know how many viruses and germs are just on your hands on your face on your eyelids inside your body yes what's your point Cause for concern, yes. I mean, obviously, we've stayed alive as a human race for so long because we've taken precautions to be more clean, mm-hmm. more sanitary. But you're not going to go play poker until there's some advancement in... Well, I think I'm... Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to happen, but I would I would like for there to be, and I'm not in a big rush to get back. Are you going to uh, get a vaccine before you go back to the poker table? I, I doubt it. Probably not, but... You want everybody who's coming to a mugs to be vaccinated? Like, yeah, 
If you if you're going to come to the mug, there's there's a process you have to go through first going forward. The numbers might be down at our future meetup games. Yeah, that sounds like a lot just to play some cards. But I think you are besides touching your face, which your face looks great from not playing poker. My face, I'm, it generally looks pretty great. It's a great looking face. <laughs> I'm just saying from like chin breakouts, which you sometimes get from touching your face, right? Oh from, yeah, so um, much so much dirt at the poker table. But I mean, I. Felt like you washed your hands pretty thoroughly when you came home. I don't know I guess while so. you were at work. But yeah, while you're at work, I mean, it's just it's hard not to like zone out and you know randomly touch your face at some point. Do you think you'll you'll wear a mask at the poker table? I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against it. I mean, how good is that going to be for hiding tells? No lip twitches. I think you can hide a lot of tells with those masks. Yeah, there was this guy. Imagine masks, sunglasses. There was this guy, Christoph Vogelsang, who would wear one of those Nakatano hoodies, and he would like pull it all the way up over his over his face. I think he's still alive, no? Yeah, but I don't think there's. <laughs> I think he sort of stopped doing that. But yeah, you were like, there was a guy. I'm like, no, I think he's still alive. Yeah, but as was, far as we know, there was a thing this guy was doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, my question is like, my wonder is. Is shaking hands still going to be like a greeting? Like, I think we're going to elbow elbow pump. You think so? Elbow touch. You think so? Yeah. For me, it's fine. I like shaking people's hand because you get a sense of like how aggressive somebody is, like how aggressive their energy is. Yeah, like how firm their handshake is. By how firm their handshake is. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing worse than a limp handshake. <laughs> nothing like well i think the i think the other end of the spectrum is kind of annoying too it's like overly aggressive you know when someone squeezes like unnecessarily hard it's like okay buddy we get it no but that's what i mean there's like a balance where it's like confident and it says i'm happy to make your acquaintance right right it transfers that enthusiasm yeah it's like i'm here i'm present Right, and I'm alive. The, like the limp handshake is like, why bother? Just right. don't, just don't, don't even greet me. Just keep walking. Yeah, get it together, people. But anyway. So yeah, I don't know. I I, ha- I have trouble seeing both sides. Like I have trouble seeing the handshake disappear, but I also have trouble seeing people being okay with it in the near future, at least. Oh yeah, in the near future, people are gonna just be like, hi, and. <laughs> Hold their hands in front of their bellies. Well, maybe we'll start doing the the bowing thing like Japanese people. You think so? I'm down. You're down? (laughs) Yeah. I'll try it. All right. So anyway, long story short, yeah, I'm a little concerned to be honest with you. Why? Because you're old? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Partly. (laughs) I'm no spring chicken anymore. Babe. You're like... (laughs) I'll probably be fine. Of course you're going to be fine. But I also don't want to get like deathly ill for like two weeks or whatever sure (laughs) so so you're just going to be more cautious going forward yeah but how can you like at a meetup game when you're literally meeting 150 people and sharing items i have the solution go on mug mugs masks (laughs) that's what we're gonna you're just gonna give everybody a mugs mask as soon as they come uh, with mugs, gloves. I don't know. So I mean, gloves and masks. Perfect. They need to be like special, specialized masks because not all of them are like extra effective. Okay, you're reading too much news. Shall we move on to the next uh, listener question? Thanks for the question, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Was it Brandon? Yes, and there's no answer, but now you know what's going on in my head, at least. Yes. All right, and we have. Another message from Yong and Anya. Yong and Anya say, Hey, Andrew and Busi. So the other day when we were just sitting about quarantining, my wife shouts out of nowhere, Look, there's a new Tells episode. Not that long ago, she would have never listened to a poker podcast, much less follow one as closely as I do. A surprise Tells episode out of nowhere was just what she and I needed during our COVID-19 lockdown. Very favorable. Some context. I'm a recreational player who takes his game as seriously as a recreational can. So he plays 2-5. That makes me an avid consumer of poker content in my spare time. Books, blogs, forums, and of course, videos. Your original videos are how I discovered poker vlogs were even a genre. Your original videos did the same for me. Amazing. Mm-hmm. 
My wife, on the other hand, had little exposure to the poker community beyond what I could share with her. Tal's podcast was probably the greatest thing for us in terms of making the poker lifestyle more accessible and understandable for her. I I believe this is because of a unique feature that caught her attention early on. Tal's isn't really a poker podcast as as much as it is a relationship podcast with a poker flavor. Half of it is from the perspective of Busi, someone who doesn't play poker. We also happen to be an interracial couple. Both of these make Busi very relatable for my wife. When you two started Tiles, I'm not sure if a specific goal was to demystify the poker lifestyle to non-poker players, but you certainly did that for my wife. Thanks, Andrew, for making the videos, and thanks, Busi, for busting Andrew's balls and making my wife laugh. That's cool. So was, what was the goal of Tells? Did we demystify the, the poker playing lifestyle? I feel like it's a little bit of a mystery to me still. <laughs> I think so. I think so. You think, you think we've demystified it? Not completely, but I think it wasn't to demystify it, but to just give a glimpse into what mm. poker lifestyle. I mean, I know people who won't date or marry outside of their careers right. because it they just don't get it and yeah. you just never understand which partly i get but partly i i mean it could be kind of boring mm-hmm. i did see a, a tweet on that topic if you would like me to dig it up sure and then while you do that oh we also got a quarantine cocktail from young and anya so we'll have to make that on your instagram as well doing it Thank you so much for writing, you guys. I really appreciate it. We love hearing from you because it's nice to know that we're not the only... Just talking to ourselves here, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lexi on Twitter says, being that there aren't many women in poker, the majority of male poker players' significant others don't play. So I figured I'd ask, how do y'all do it? In my recent attempts to date dudes that don't play, not a huge fan. There's something about dating a fellow D-Gen. I've heard that more from woman for sure that they would like to date someone in their profession yeah do you think you're a fellow degen no <laughs> do you think i'm a degen to begin with yes you do <laughs> dang <laughs> that was a very fast yes an easy answer no i mean the the man that i met was a degenerate <laughs> poker player for sure the man you are today Less so, <laughs> but, but still the, some? the DJ tendencies do some, flare up some from, flare-ups? from time to time. So you said you're not a DJ or what? Mild, you have, you have some tendencies too? Mildly, yeah. Mildly. So maybe you saw a little bit of yourself in me when you, <laughs> when you met me. Maybe. It's hmm. very possible. Okay. And I think that's, that's usually the thing, right, that, that attracts you to somebody else, sure. irrespective of job or career yeah um and so just in this context of poker it makes it easier to relate because i mean the likely most people meet each other at their place of work yeah so it makes sense that oh you're already here so you'll get it which i don't understand why we're so quick to have people get it why don't you get excited about teaching somebody how to get it sure i get the challenges because when you're stressed out you don't want to sit there dissecting, you know, what what a river card is and what that meant and how you were fuming and they're like, why 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 were you so angry? Well, I think people want to be like understood, right? Like their core understood. Absolutely, and I think it's the it's such a beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. But why quickly? Because if you're really interested because in somebody, I think maybe people worry that they'll never understand it that they just won't get it like they might get it on some surface level but they won't understand like they won't share the feeling maybe like you want to be on the same ride not like telling someone about the about the ride you know Mm. i mean i think there's both sides to that i think there's just so much beauty and enrichment because you learn so much more from being on different sides mm-hmm. of the ride, or not being on the same ride, I think it's just exciting. So how do you? So what are your uh, degen uh, f- f- tendencies? Do you think? What, are the, what does that look like? What is that about? 
What are they exactly? Okay, well, maybe you should define degen, degening. What does a degenerate do? Well, de- I mean... De- define that for people who don't degen. Yeah, well, it's used, it's used a little bit loosely, but I think, you know, I think the, the actual term is someone who, like, does a lot of things or does something often that is counterproductive or uh, generally bad. <laughs> like, like a degenerate gambler would be someone who plays, you know, like pit games uh, frequently and re- repeatedly despite not being able to really uh, afford them or continue to move forward in their life. Mm. And so then, like, I think the poker world, like, you know, we'll do like the occasional degen thing. You know, like sports betting or something, where okay. we don't have an edge, right? But we'll use it loosely because it's not really something that's, you know, massively affecting our lives. It's something we do for fun, you know, like a mindless gamble, where we don't have an edge. Oh. So I think Lexi is taking the word when she says there's something about dating a fellow degen. She's using like the that second sort of uh, definition where. You know, you might be on the poker grind and you might be playing hours, you know, beyond your your set sort of like six hour plan for your session. Right. You might be playing an all nighter because right. like the game is really good or whatever. And you might not be in your best mental state, but that's just a thing that poker players do for better or worse. Okay. So it might not always be outside of the context of poker, right? Oh, I think if we narrow the definition of degenerate, how I understand it is outside of cultural norms, mm-hmm. right? So maybe for me, I don't really gamble outside of, well, I don't gamble at all, really, do I? Well, I mean, I guess you could, I guess you could also use the phrase like degen as someone who, like sort of how you're describing it, like someone who gets outside of the, the matrix of, of normal work life and spends their time in a profession that is like emotionally swingy like this and, you know, very monetary focused and stuff like that. So maybe I am. A <laughs> and honestly, I do. I have. Fuck it trades, you know, like, you know, mm. that it's not the right edge and I probably should just give pause. Okay. So you saw some of yourself in me. And then I'm just like, ah, fuck it. (laughs) And I tap in and then then I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck (laughs) afterwards. So I've been making some of those degen trades (laughs) during quarantine. (laughs) Not a single one has worked out, I don't think. Yeah, that's why. I'll miss you hundreds. (laughs) That's why the other side of it is so much better. Like Mm -hmm. the sort of more reined in. Uh, calmer approach mm-hmm. to to whatever you're doing, right? Um, so even when you're playing poker, if you're playing good poker, you have very you have fewer fuck it moments because you stay present and you stay aware, like aware. Because I think the degen mode, you also sort of fall asleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because as soon as you go fuck it, like there's no logical thought process anymore. You're just like. Praying to the poker gods, praying to the tick gods, praying to some god. Yeah, the uh, the variance gods. Hopefully, it falls right. on your side. Right. Maybe it would be uh, uh, interesting to see if Lexi wants to chat about that further. She's also a nurse, so she's not okay. just a full time poker player. So, it could yeah. be a topical discussion in a couple different ways. But discussion for future date, perhaps. Sounds good. Thanks, Yong and Ania. Um, Ani- Ania. Sorry if, we, sorry if we mispronounced your name, but thanks so much for the, uh, the message. It's very cool to hear from you guys and hear that message. Thank you so much. With that, with that, might be time to bring in our special guests of the week. All right. See you soon. <laughs> we don't know how to do this. <laughs> see you. It's a podcast. They're not going to see us. Uh, so what do we say? And with that, no, it's, welcome. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break. We're going to call our guests and then... Uh, here, well, I don't know. And hello, welcome to Tells. Welcome back. Welcome back. That works. Yeah, but Jody and Trevor have not been on Tells, so it oh. can't 
thought we were welcome welcoming back. the audience back, not Jody and Trevor. No. Okay, welcome back, audience, and welcome Jody and Trevor. Hello. Hi. Jody and Trevor from Raising the Nuts. And just from life in general, too. Uh, well, Raising the Nuts is like a media company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Podcast, blog. YouTube blog, uh, YouTube streams on Thursday. That's right. <laughs> They're doing it all. Yeah. Yeah. You sleeping. Oh, where? Where? Sorry. I feel, I feel like it's difficult to, to talk without seeing your face, you know? It's this new medium of communication now. It's, it's a new world. <laughs> I mean, I think audio is still above and beyond the seeing. Yeah. Because you can just imagine. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I think it's because I dislike talking on the phone so much that this uh, that reminds me of, you know? Right, just talking on the phone and not being able to see somebody. Right, exactly. Right. So tell us, guys, how many Zoom calls are you doing on a weekly basis or FaceTimes or Skypes or with video for Trevor, obviously? Yeah. <laughs> We're not doing too many, honestly. We talk about it with our um, our friends that live in Florida. We talk about it with them pretty much every day. Hey, should we do a Zoom call today? And then we everybody says yes. And then at nighttime, we never do it. <laughs> we did just download this app called House Party today, which apparently the kids are all about these days. Oh yeah, Ava uses it. And it's uh, a type a Zoom type thing, but for the phone, and it has a bunch of uh, trivia games on it and things like that. So yeah. we use that today uh, with our friends. But you can also just like nobody has to call anybody. You just open the app, and then you can see if they're there or not, and you can just start a chat like right there. Yeah. As Zoomers so. learned about that app and used it for the first time yesterday as well. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun though. Um, yeah, but yeah, besides that, I don't think, I think we've done a few here and there, but that's, yeah, yeah. you did one with your friends. Yeah. I did one with my friends that I don't get to see that often. And I said, I enjoyed it more than going out personally. <laughs> All right. So it's becoming clear here that Trevor is the introvert who is, uh, embracing this quarantine life. Doesn't like to talk on the phone very much. <laughs> uh, this has been the best thing ever for me, basically, is <laughs> I just get to stay in my house all the time. Like I'd like to, I'm like an extroverted introvert. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just like, I enjoy talking with my friends, but if I can, instead of go out to the city with them, I just stay in the house and then don't have to pay for parking. And then I can just go right to bed after I'm done. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about that on a, a previous podcast where we talked a little bit about how, yeah, like nice it is to just be at home. Uh, for me personally, like not so much traveling and meetup games and flying all over the place. And uh, Boosie was saying that she's just really happy uh, to just, you know, exist in the moment for now. So, yeah, I'm wondering, like, how the uh, I'm sure the uh, the poker playing audience is curious about how the uh, all this is affecting the uh, the online poker grind that uh, that you are putting in. Uh, it's been great for me. My hours haven't changed at all because I just always play a lot anyway. But the action for sure has picked up a ton. A lot more tables, a lot more uh, people out there in the streets gambling a little bit. So it's nice for me for that. The one thing that's changed for me is that the kids are home, obviously. So there's a little bit more background noise while I'm trying to play in the office. But yeah, uh, aside from that, it's been a great thing. I've, I was kind of in a great position for this to happen because, like I said, I already play a ton as is. And uh, just to be like ready in the moment for it to happen is pretty good. So is there like is there rules or boundaries where the, uh, the, the kids, the nuts, are they allowed to come into the office while daddy's on the grind? Or is it uh, sort of free for all? Uh yeah, they can come in if they want. Usually Andrew's the one. Andrew's five years old. He comes in and he's been kind of learning the game each day now. I, I keep saying that he can probably grind uh, himself probably in a year or two because every every morning he's coming in and he's you know following the action, asking me why I'm doing what I'm doing. Today, actually, I, I uh, had to run to make some breakfast and he let me know when I came back how someone had stacked somebody else and what their hands were and everything. So he's, wow. he's giving me reports on the games and everything. So it's pretty great. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally speaking, they kind of just do their own thing and I'm kind of left to myself in here to stay focused and everything. So well, Andrew comes in here and plays video games with you. Oh yeah. I, I have the video game system set up in here too. So we can, if the action's a little slow, then I'll play video games with him while, while waiting for action. This life sounds pretty idyllic. How are you experiencing being at home, Jody? Um, so far it's been really good because right before all this happened, I kept saying to Trevor, like we really need to slow down. This is, it's kind of getting out of control at this point. We're traveling nonstop, traveling with the kids, traveling without the kids. You know, I was back and forth to Florida a whole bunch at the end of the year, getting our house together. 
And um, it was just becoming really overwhelming and Cam having to get to cheer and having to go here for a, a cheer competition and there. And I mean, it was nuts. Like my suitcase was just constantly packed. It was never, I wasn't even bothering to unpack it because the, the very next weekend we were going somewhere else. It was like Andrews probably. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, Ava dances and Andrew, uh, they were getting ready to start um, softball and baseball. So it was just a lot. And I just kept saying, like, we need to slow down. This is nuts. Like, we don't even see each other, really, the whole family, because Cam is out here, and then, you know, somebody's driving her and whatever. So this has been really nice, because we can just take time to, like, really spend time together as a family. And like Boosie said, just staying, you know, uh, staying in the moment yeah. and, and being able to enjoy the present uh, has been definitely a gift from this whole ordeal. Yeah, for sure. And I'm like taking time to get things finally together in the house. You know, we've been here for 10 years, but it's just been a free for all for 10 years. But <laughs> now we finally have some time where I can actually do things that I want to do while we're here. So, yeah. yeah. So there's lots of positives I'm hearing from this experience. Any uh, downsides? I think probably the biggest downside is just having the kids in my face 24 seven, because all they do is say, mom, 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 like all day long. And that makes me crazy. <laughs> no, no downsides for me. <laughs> no downsides for you. <laughs> how about uh, the schooling? How are you? How have you taken on the role of now bec becoming an educator? Uh, or what? What does that look like? Because obviously, I think it's different in different states. Here in Las Vegas, a friend was saying it's like they have school uh, for one hour a day, and then the rest is up to the parents. Good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> So when it first started, um, Ava's school is a one-to-one -one Chromebook school. So she had her laptop at home already. Um, so she was able to just right away go into Google Classroom and, and do work through there. Andrew and Cameron don't have that. Cam actually does have a laptop at school, but it stays at school. It doesn't come home. So they were just doing endless worksheets every day. And it was like Cam got into a groove for a while, so she really liked it. And Andrew would finish his worksheets. You know, he's in kindergarten, so he didn't have as many. So he was getting it done really quick. But then uh, they were on spring break up until the 15th. So starting on the 5th, or I guess they were on spring break, so the 14th. 15th, they started back to school. And now they're doing Google Classroom stuff. But it's really just they're watching pre-recorded videos or lessons or whatever, and then answering questions. So that irritated Cam because she was in a groove with her worksheets and now she had to switch to this new format and she doesn't really care for change too much. So now we have to get her into the groove of that and like, you know, how to navigate Google Classroom because they don't really know how to do it so far. So when they were doing worksheets, it was nice because I could just sit them down and they could work on their worksheets and I could just kind of be in the area, but I didn't have to sit there and stare at them the whole time. Now I kind of have to sit with them more because they you know, they're learning Google Classroom. So basically the way it's worked is that Andrew does work for 10 minutes and then he plays video games the rest of the day. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, he's the kindergartner poker player. Exactly. Cam, Cam like has her work and she does it throughout the day because she can't stay focused on it. So she's trying, you know, trying to get things done through, for a long period of time, basically. And then Ava's up in her own room. Ava's in, what grade is she in? Six. Sixth grade. So she's more independent and she can just get her work done and be done with it. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it's been a fine transition. We'd actually considered doing homeschooling for a while just yeah. because they, they miss so much school as is because of travel with, with us and with cheer and everything. And just we thought it'd be fun to be able to just go wherever we wanted, you know, when we wanted to. So are you considering more homeschooling, you think, in the future, maybe? Well, we actually have access to, uh, well, I think we have access to the Florida public school online because we have the house there and they have online schooling tuition free. Um, mm. So we had considered that because that's where they would be taught by someone else. We wouldn't have to sit there because it's it's hard as parents. The kids don't want to listen to us when we try to explain stuff, you know, like that's not how my teacher explained it. And that's not what I learned before. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I did go through fourth grade as well, just like you are right now. <laughs> and I know what the answer is, but if you don't want to listen to me, then I can't, I can't help you. That's a challenge. Okay. I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about raising the nuts, right? So that people can have an idea of what this is. What this media sure. empire looks like. I'll give a like high level, what is it? Summary. Okay. So Trevor's a professional poker player. Who started a blog, mm -hmm. um, and he makes 
poker videos similar to Andrew about playing poker. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Jody is a nutritionist and is also part of this media empire. I mean, the, the name of the podcast company is from Raising Your Kids. Is that right? Or am I just like... Well, it's like a play on words because it's... Yeah, I mean, I know from poker. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. I won't okay. mansplain well, it. Let, let, <laughs> let's have Trevor explain. Or who picked the name? Who came up with that name? So it actually came almost, I think, 10 years ago now. Jody started a blog about what it was like to be a, ma- a poker wife raising mm-hmm. kids. And our friend Jay, who helps out with our channel a lot, actually came up with the name. The full name was Raising the Nuts in a Family Pot. Uh, so it was like a double play on words because of poker, you know, when you're ra- you're in a family pot means everybody's in the hand and you have the nuts and you raise with it or, you know, obviously raising the nuts or kids in a family pot. And um, so it came from that. And then when I started the YouTube channel, I said, I'm sorry, Jody, I'm going to steal this name from you. <laughs> and we just shortened it to raising the nuts. And Jay came up with the logo and all that other stuff. Um, and then when we started the podcast, which is Jody's podcast that I'm just a <laughs> a, uh, a guest on every week. <laughs> she she does all the work for it, so I she needs to take the credit from that part of the empire. Uh, we we decided to stick with the name for that for the podcast as well, and just it's interesting because we were thinking about whether we should change the name after the first season is over and stuff like that to kind of differentiate it from the YouTube channel. Because um, I think it gets confusing too, because some people tell us that they they listen to the podcast on Thursday night, but Thursday night is a live stream, not the podcast. So I sometimes I wonder if people even know that there is a separate podcast. Right. Oh yeah. So Trevor, as you've been creating all these uh, all this content on all these different platforms, how has that uh, affected uh, either positively or negatively um, your poker playing time? Uh, it hasn't really affected too much. I guess at first with the channel, it was a little bit because I was making a little more was making more videos, but it wasn't that bad because I would do it during the day when the action was a little bit slower. So I was still getting my normal amount of volume in, normal hours in. Uh, just adding in this content right now, obviously without making, I'm not really making any videos on the channel due to not leaving the house. So that's not a thing at all. And then, you know, we, we record the podcast once a week. We do the live stream on Thursday night. Um, so that hasn't really affected anything at all. And, you know, for me, because it's just like a side fun project, uh, that I don't intend to like really try to monetize in any way or anything like that. It's, hasn't affected my play because I'm always going to play first before making content. So that's my, you know, just getting the hours in playing is always going to be my number one goal. And the extra time that I have to make content is there, you know? Yeah. Before the social distancing stuff, uh, you're mainly playing on the, the regulated sites in New Jersey, right? Yes. Have you added, have you felt any pressure to like add different routines or, or like different sites into the routine um, just with like the entire poker economy being online at the moment, do you feel like it's, are you kind of like doing your own, doing your thing that you're used to? Or are you like, cause I wonder if it's like somewhat overwhelming with so many players on so many different platforms right now. Yeah, no, I just stick with my name, my same platforms, uh, playing in the New Jersey sites because I know those player pools. I also play only PLO pretty much now. So I'm very familiar with the player pools and and things are great, <laughs> so I don't really see any need to to go in any any other routes. And also, it's you know it's regulated, so I feel you know fine being in that in that environment. Are you seeing are you seeing more um, regs or uh, like live regs that try and take their talents to the online streets? Definitely, yeah. It's it's one of the things you can easy, see the easiest. And I've you know I've been through this a bunch already because when when the Nevada player pool got added into WSOP. You know, you see all the players come in from Nevada and you can, you know, when you're around long enough around in the online game long enough, you can see the live players coming in and recognizing some of the mistakes they're going to make. Uh, and and, you know, it's just you see you see it all the time. So it's definitely happening right now uh, in, in our games. And it's uh, it's a welcome site for people who have been all in the online streets for a while. So is it a good idea for people to now move to New Jersey to play more <laughs> online poker? No. <laughs> no, no one should move to New Jersey to play online. <laughs> we have an option. We're good. Understood. <laughs> I thought Andrew and I could pre- maybe move there for a couple of months. And uh, I don't know if you have, you know, a 
granny flat outside that we <laughs> could guys, use. You guys can come, sure. You guys can come. Because <laughs> I wanted to circle back to Jody starting the blog about raising kids in this okay. like poker lifestyle. Why did you feel the need to do that, uh, Jody? Geez, I don't even remember why I started it. I guess just because um, my life was so much different than my friends around me. So we were always on the go and moving around a lot. And, um, you know, it was a drastic change from what my life was before Trevor came around. Um, Cause I, did, did we have? We had Cam and Ava, we had both of them. Okay. Uh, they were very young though. So before they were in school, so we could just go anywhere we wanted at any yeah. time, you know, and we did all the time. We traveled constantly, even with two young kids. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, let me tell you what it's like to live in this unconventional lifestyle where I'm raising two little babies while my husband's out playing poker every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually went back and, and read some of the things recently and I just basically talked about what we did in, in the week and it was really boring when I went back and looked at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's kind of a little bit like what our podcast is like now. Well, at least the, the pre-corona podcast, because now we just talk about what we do in the house all day. But before yeah. that, we were talking more about what our life was like. But it was just me just talking about what we did for the week. Whereas this, the podcast is we're having conversation back right. and forth. So it's different. Okay. So now I want to understand the experience from both your perspective. Why did you choose to travel and play poker versus playing locally or uh, just to get a background on how this like travel alternative lifestyle came to be? Uh, well, I was playing online. So you, at the time, this is before Black Friday. So you, we could play online anywhere. So we figured we had a, we had a groups of friends that we had met from online, from playing online, actually, from different poker forums, and we just rented houses all over the place in Florida and Vegas and uh, different tournament stops, basically. And I didn't even play tournaments that much, but it was just the idea of getting together with all these friends that we had and renting a house for a week or two somewhere. And it was funny because. If you can imagine, you know, it's Jody, myself, Jody, and either just Ava at the time, or then Ava and Cameron, and then it's all like younger guys, that younger single guys. There's no other families involved. So uh, it was just that, you know, we we love to travel and we could play. I could play online anywhere. We'd love yeah. to see different places and just hang out with friends. So that's kind of what what we were doing at the time. Uh, once Black Friday hit, it changed a bit at that point. So that was nine years ago, and I went to playing in a set location at Parks Casino in Ben Salem every like Monday to Friday, like a normal nine to five job. So mm -hmm. at that point we traveled much less at that point, but we still, you know, we did summers in Vegas as we always did, but the travel, it became more of a routine. And, and then from there you go to the kids starting to start school and you get into more of a family type atmosphere routine. Until Cam started cheer. And then right. we started to have to, we had to travel all over the place all over again. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But at least you were already accustomed to that, lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, Jody, did you dream that your life would be a uh, traveling poker wife when you met Trevor? No, no, not even a little bit. <laughs> when we started dating, I was finishing, I was finishing my bachelor's degree and I have a bachelor's degree in, in IT. So I always saw myself as some, you know, high up exec in a business suit every single day doing IT stuff. Mm -hmm. so, no, this is the complete opposite of what I ever thought that my life would be like. Um, and what is the, the happiness level of this chosen life? It's kind of like a double-edged sword, honestly, because while I love my life and I love that I've been able to experience so much just through Trevor playing poker, you know, that's been amazing. And being able to see my kids grow up has been amazing. But it's, again, w never what I saw for myself. I never saw myself being a stay-at-home mom, talking to only kids day in and day out for the last almost 12 years of my life now. So, um, you know, having given up my career and obviously I moved into a, a new career field if I'm, I'm in nutrition now, but, and which I do love, but, um, you know, it's just, it's like, there's part of me that's pretty unfulfilled, which is my career side, but then the rest of me is, you know, super happy. So, yeah. I always say like any credit and anything that I've achieved in poker, I have to give a lot of the credit to Jody because she made such a huge sacrifice on her own to give up, you know, some of her dreams and things that she wanted to accomplish on her own so that I could chase and achieve my own dreams. And that's really hard to do. And especially in the day to day 
when you know you have a kid yelling in your face and you're thinking, man, I could have been doing something else, self-achieving wise, and you know I'm dealing with this. Uh, you know, it's it's it can be hard on her. I know that for sure. So, you know, I, anything that I've achieved personally from poker is indebted. I'm indebted to Jody for that because you need to have a supportive partner in order to do well at poker. You can't you can't you know if you're if you're in a relationship a long-term relationship, especially married and with kids and stuff like that, if you have somebody who's not supporting you, I think in anything, but specifically in poker, when there's going to be lots of ups and downs and things like that, uh, you're going to be uh, fighting an uphill battle for sure. So how did that start for you? Like, how did you get into poker and say, this is how I'm going to live my life and make a living? I got, I got really lucky. I found poker when I was in college, about five months before Chris Moneymaker happened, a friend of mine introduced the game to us. Uh, I instantly became obsessed with it. I always liked video games. It was pretty similar to video games. Um, and then Chris Moneymaker happened, and I started going. I lived uh, about an hour and a half away from Atlantic City, so I started going down there every weekend. And I have an obsessive brain, so I wanted to get really, really good at the game, which happened pretty quickly. And then uh, about a year and a half later, I graduated from college, and my aunt was working in New York City, but she had a house, uh, a condo right outside of Atlantic City that she barely was ever at. And she told me I could stay there for free. And so it kind of just all lined up where I had $3,000 to my name. And I said, I'm going to move down to Atlantic City and see if I can make this work. I, I knew that I didn't want like a traditional job right out of college um, because that wasn't my thing. I mean, growing up, my dad was in a rock band and uh, my mom is a tarot card reader. So I didn't think it was going to be likely that I end up in a traditional job path. And um, I just, it worked out right from the beginning. That was 2005. And I pretty much did well from the very beginning. And then it just went from there. Amazing. Yeah, because I was going to ask whether you had dreams of, you know, CEO of, of so-and-so company. Boosie loves tarot cards. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know very much about tarot cards. I don't know what they <laughs> I mean, I know of them. I know people who do readings of them, but I don't personally know very much about tarot cards. Oh. Yeah. My, <laughs> my mom is awesome. She's, she's really good. She's, you know, she's a tarot card reader, which, and she was actually, if you guys remember Miss Cleo. Yeah. Do you that, Andrew? Okay. Yeah. She, she was the number one tarot card reader on that network. And, <laughs> Whoa. On a um, network. Yeah. And, and then it went from there. But the way that it is, it's like the people who call up those lines are just looking for help. So she's honestly more like a counselor than anything. So sure. she helps people through relationship issues and all kinds of stuff like that. And it's it's really interesting to when, when you get in, involved in it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, okay. So now you have to share your mom's details so we can all see. Does she still do like live readings or? She she only does them on the phone and she'd probably kill me if she heard this. Uh oh, okay. <laughs> she, she, she likes to remain anonymous, so. <laughs> So Andrew had asked me a question earlier, which I think is pertinent to this discussion about whether you, you just mentioned how you wouldn't be able to have achieved all your poker success without Jody um, and having a supportive partner. Did you ever consider, so like Jody, when you were doing or considering pursuing a path in IT, were you set on sort of finding a guy who was in the same sort of field or were you open to somebody who's not in the field? <laughs> well, uh, when I worked in IT, that was the the guys in IT were like 99% of the reason why I decided not to go back to IT because they made me crazy. I couldn't just do my job because I was a when I started, I was a technician. So I was like taking apart laptops and putting them, you know, replacing parts and putting them back together. So that was a huge reason why I did not want to go back because they just wouldn't leave me alone because I was the only female really there. So it was annoying. And they, they also weren't hunky like me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, no, like when Trevor and I knew each other before he started playing poker. So we always got along really, really well. I think we always had a connection like right from the start, but he was in college in, uh, what is it, Central Jersey? Yeah. So you were nowhere around here. I, I went to school in Philadelphia, um, and I, but I lived at home. So we weren't near each other, and then we reconnected later on. And when we reconnected later on, I felt like it was still there. That connection was still there. And 
instantly my mom fell in love with him, told me I needed to marry him right away. Like she loved him and she didn't really like any of my previous relationships. And my dad, same thing. He didn't like, oh, my brother didn't like anybody, but they all, my family all welcomed Trevor and loved Trevor so much from the start. Um, so I think that really helped. How about as far as me being a poker player though? What, what did you, that you like that, right? That turned you on. <laughs> it's so, so it's not that you were a poker player. It's that you had a skill there. There's just for me, like somebody who has a skill that's not like run of the mill, I guess you could say. I just found that like, that's why I'll sit and watch you. Cause I just find it like sexy, I guess is the word. Yeah, and, you get, and you get to look at me all, the whole time too. So it's fair. <laughs> Uh, look at me. <laughs> for, for me, I didn't, I, I don't know. It was one of those things where it, what she did for a living didn't really affect or how I would pursue her or anything. It's just, I knew that I wanted to be with her and I wasn't going to take no for an answer. Basically <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible, but I mean, we, we told you guys our, our love story before, uh, and it's lengthy, so I don't want to go into the whole thing, but you know, basically I, I stuck to her like like white on rice till, until she said she would be with me forever. You stalked me. Yeah, stalk, stalk. <laughs> you know, there's different words to say what you say. You know, but you know, it's love. It's it was love. So there was no part of you that was like, oh, I need somebody who understands poker so that they can share the burden. Do you think it's sharing the emotional burden? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of understanding like what's yeah what that emotional roller coaster feels like without having to try and explain it and hope they get it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I'm trying to think back to the beginning of our relationship to figure out how she was feeling about poker at the time, because it's really interesting when we first started, when we reconnected and first started talking again, it was 2007. So I'm, you know, two years or so into my poker career. I'm not highly successful at the time because I, I was winning a lot, but I was spending the money right away because I had no reason to save up. I didn't have a family. I was just a single guy in Atlantic City, you know, hanging out every night with uh, with poker dealers and other poker players. Um, so I think it was one of those things where it was so new for me at the time still. And I didn't feel like I needed to, like, find somebody who was going to be supportive because we just had this connection. And I felt like she would be there for me no matter what, regardless of if I was going to continue playing poker for a living or mm. whatever. I mean, it's, I think it's one of those like love is blind type things too, because if I would have really struggled that first year or those first couple of years, I don't know what it would have been like for us. I don't know if it would have caused fights or things like that. Um, right. Fortunately, we were kind of in the golden age of poker at the time where it was really hard to lose if you had any idea what you were doing. Um, and so, you know, I mean, there were certainly tough times, especially starting out when, you know, the I proposed when I proposed to her, the amount that her ring cost was probably more money than I had to my name at the time, <laughs> which and it's not like I went, doesn't, I'm not saying I bought a, a very fancy ring or anything. We just <laughs> I just didn't have that much money, um, but it didn't we didn't seem to care about that. I think it's also we were, you know, 20. How old were we? 23? 23. We were 23 years old. So I think you're still kind of young and naive and just. You know, I always had no fear that I would like I there was never any point in my mind at that time that I wouldn't be successful at poker um, that I can recall, at least. I'm sure there were you know times here and there that I I doubted myself or whatever. And and I think maybe she just showed herself to be there immediately for me during those times. And I was just like, yeah, this is how it's going to be. We're good. Was there any sort of uh, other possible interest, professional interest? Or was it always just going to be, this is, this is probably just going to work out and this is what I'm going to do indefinitely. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I'm never, never been a big planner. I'm always just kind of stay in the moment and expect good things to happen. And I think it's because I've run incredibly good in my life in just all areas. So I have nothing that would show me differently than that. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I think I'm just a generally positive person overall, so I'm probably just ignoring some of the negative things that may have happened along the way. But uh, I don't think I had anything else in mind. I guess there was actually a point that I considered moving to Vegas in like if Jody and I wouldn't have worked out in 2007, 
And I was just going to become a poker reporter if I couldn't get things to work. So I, th- I feel like I was just always going to be in poker in some way. But you were going to go to college for something else originally. Oh, well, when I went to college, I was going to go originally I was going to go for like sports broadcasting. Uh, but I didn't get into the Syracuse Newhouse School um, because my grades weren't good enough. So I ended up going to Rutgers instead. And then I at Rutgers, I picked a major that was the easiest and had the least amount of attendance taken so that I didn't have to go to class. And uh, yeah, there was no there was no other plan other than that. I I mean, I, I guess maybe I just kind of thought I'd be like some sort of entrepreneur or do something like that, create creatively. I think the reason that I that I uh, flop so many sets is because I think positive too. <laughs> I I a hundred percent. That's the way it's got to be. There's no math involved in this. It's just it's all your feeling. You got to feel like you're gonna win. Yeah. No, I think it's the ones you remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, why funny. would you? You run to remember the bad, the bad hands. Exactly. Uh, I'm actually, no, I'm actually really good at it. Remember the bad ones? <laughs> no, flopping sets. Oh, okay. It's Thank funny you. because my entire poker career, everyone, anywhere you ever go, people will tell you that I've run better than everybody else. And I could be, I could lose for 10 straight days and I'd win one hand and someone would say, see how good he runs? He always runs so good. <laughs> and this has been my entire career, no matter where I play. I'm sure, and I think it just has to do with my my disposition. You know, I don't, if I'm losing, you wouldn't be able to tell if I'm losing or if I'm winning, you know, yeah. either way. So Yeah, people remember that. Your your disposition at the poker table? Yeah, they sort of like categorize you. Mm. I think. That's part of it. So Jody, do you feel like any poker traits have rubbed off on you and vice versa? Uh to Trevor. So, you know, I mean, I think you have to be a certain way to be a poker player. So, for example, for myself, I know that I care less about things that are just don't matter. And I learned that from Andrews, you know, worrying about small amounts of money where I could have spent that time doing something else. And now I'm like hopping over five dollars or something <laughs> like um, because I saw that type of not obsessiveness about money. Right. More an obsession about becoming better or becoming a better player versus like, how much money do I have? Should I spend this money on this? And and that sort of thing. Uh, for you, did you, have you seen any sort of rub off from the way poker players think or how they view the world, et cetera? Uh, yeah, I think with the money, for sure, like the view on money in this house is so warped. It's not <laughs> even funny. <laughs> and like, we went through the when we were always um, in houses with friends and stuff and the poker players, when they play credit card roulette and stuff, like when he would initially do that and lose, I'd be freaking out like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just lost all that money. Are you crazy? Why would you do that? And I would lose all the time. Yeah, he lost <laughs> all the time. And like, you know, you're talking like 10, 15 people at a time. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? We have children. Like- they, they actually made a meme about me with my picture on it because I lost <laughs> credit card roulette so many times. So that's the one place you can find where I'll, I'll run bad. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I've I've gotten over that now. I mean, he doesn't really play credit card roulette anymore. But now it's just Trevor has always had this philosophy of there will always be more money. And that has definitely rubbed off on me, probably <laughs> in a really negative way. <laughs> <laughs> How about, how about any other traits? Anything else? I don't know. Why? So so the one thing that I think I try to to say all the time that doesn't work out, and this is, I think, an interesting topic because I think a lot of poker players, or at least good poker players, are trained to think logically and not emotionally. <laughs> so then you come to these arguments where there's it's logic versus emotion, and Jody's a very emotionally res- respond, responsive person. She responds emotionally to things constantly, where I try to respond logically and that but I think work. that I I think that I'm more logical today I think I try to like view things in a more logical manner today than I than I did previously so in right. that respect yes that that's what I'm saying so that, but still that. there are times where I'm like Trevor please stop being so logical in this moment I just need to be emotional for a second and I need you to stop <laughs> being so like cut and dry you're making me crazy <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think overall it's been a net positive for you to kind of come to that side a little bit more and I, yeah. I think I'm aware enough to recognize for the most part, there are some times obviously when I have to stop, when you have to tell me that, but yes. I try to connect emotionally with you because like that's something you learn a lot from having kids is that a lot of children's responses are emotional responses because sure. they haven't yet developed that logical sense in their brain yet. So you have to connect with them emotionally first, say if they're in the middle of a tantrum or whatever, you, you connect with them emotionally and then you can move on to the logic after that. 
All right. So give us some tips. How do you how do you connect with a screaming four-year-old <laughs> so this this all comes from you know listening to parenting books and things like that because when you have kids you you have to search for any possible solutions because you're always searching for some solution mm -hmm. and every kid is different so it's about understanding their personalities in in the ways that you need to connect to them emotionally so some kids might be better off with okay let me just give you some physical contact let me give you a hug mm -hmm. you know let me get down on your level eye to eye and just talk to you emotionally. Like I understand that you're feeling this way and just let them know that their, their complaints are being heard um, in the moment. Obviously in the moment, it's, it's very difficult for you to do that when somebody's yelling in your face and things like that. But you know, we've been through the gamut of emotions with kids. Yeah. And um, I think, I think just understanding their personalities is, is the biggest way around things. All right, so we need a love language for kids that they can understand and be able to relate to you. Yeah. The interesting thing is that if you are not in charge of your own emotions, you're going to be you're screwed. You know, if you can't sit there and and stop and this is where meditation has been so helpful for me is that I can recognize okay, the way that they're acting right now is illogical and it's making me feel emotional. I'm getting upset by the way that they're reacting. But if I can control the way that I react to them, then that's going to make the situation a lot better. If I if I react to them in a negative way, it's only going to you know make the situation worse. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they just reflect what they see. Exactly. Right? So if you are upset and anxious, then they're just going to mirror back. They're going to mirror that back to you, and then nothing good comes from that. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's somebody with no kids. <laughs> <laughs> you got though. You you know what you know the way it is. I will say that. When it comes to uh, poker versus parenting, poker is mm. the easiest job ever because <laughs> parenting, you can't, it's, the answers aren't right there and they're not easily found. And there's just so much more to it. You know, there's so much more, you can take a lot from poker and apply it to parenting, but it's, it's just such a harder task. Especially when you have three separate personalities mixed together. Yeah. Yeah. And your kids are very have very distinct personalities too. We've spent very, I mean, little time with them, but watching on the videos and such, uh, the personalities are very, very different. Yes, yes, they are. So, what is like from poker is like adaptability to situation. Uh, is that what you can uh, take away? Take right. away, or you know, apply to parenting. Yeah, you know, adapting to each situation, not being results oriented. You know, just kind of sticking to processes and you know that's one thing that we've had a, had a lot of trouble with personally is is accountability and routine routine which is understandable because when we reflect back on those early years of having a family we were young and Ava our first firstborn Ava was so easy she we could travel everywhere we could have her on all different schedules and she was just a dream baby she was like up and you know forever she still is and then Cam came along and she was like, no, you guys can't do this to me. Uh, you know, she, as, as a baby, that's what she said, basically, because she immediately. No, as was, a baby, she was fine. Yeah. OK, so when she got to be two or three, yeah. as, you know, she needed that routine. She needed structure. She needed everything the opposite of Ava in that regard. And we weren't prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And still we, aren't. we still aren't. Yeah. <laughs> and we're still trying to figure out. And as two people who are not very structured and not into a routine, we're still trying to figure out a way to make it so that she can thrive. Um, because Andrew's kind of the same way. Andrew can kind of go with the flow and he doesn't need too much structure. If he gets, if we leave him alone too much, then he'll start to get a little crazy later on at night and everything like that. But leave him alone. We don't leave him alone. That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, awful. <laughs> for, I mean, we don't, we don't leave him alone for more than a week at a time. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, so it's just being able to adapt and, and have routine is a little bit difficult for us. And that's something that we're constantly working on to get better at. Yeah. I have two questions. Do you have a question? Let's hear your questions. Uh, my first question is you've been together now 13 years, 12 years, 2007. Yeah. 13 years, 10 years married, 10 years married, some secrets to a successful marriage that last 10 years and you still like hanging out together, going on dates and you still, and you have a family. Um, 
you know, secrets and tips to share with our listeners on how you do that? Um, I would say communication has been key. And um, just, I mean, I think we have a, a strong mutual respect for each other. So I think that's incredibly helpful. And if you're going to get married to someone, you should really, really like them. Yes. So <laughs> we really, really like each other and just really like spending every minute of every day with each other, which is, you know, can be cringy to other people, but we, we just have fun all the time. And we just, our personalities are really different, I think, which kind of works really well for us in that Jody is a little more animated and fiery <laughs> and I'm more kind of laid back. And, you know, so in those regards, in that regard, we don't, there's no, fighting. We don't fight with each other about things because it's just a very, and I've kind of rubbed off on her as far as she's kind of gotten a more, a little more laid back in her, in her, uh, in the time we've been together. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I think just really liking the other person is, is it sounds simple, but I mean, it's, a, it's the biggest part of being together for a long time. Yeah. I think we just really enjoy each other's company. I mean, I, I enjoy your company. I freaking love you. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Your whole, your whole audience just threw up in their mouths. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, I think the cynicism doesn't help get that either. You yeah. know, people will claim that they want this great relationship or, you know, good friendships. But then you roll your eyes at people experiencing that. If you can't even see how that's beautiful, how are you going to envision that for yourself, I think? Um, it's very easy to become cynical and be like, oh, that couple is so gross and they just <laughs> stop being all over each other. But that is the idea. And that's where the imagination for what your relationship could be like, I think. But maybe that's just me. No, I'm with you. Yeah. And I think going back to where I said the mutual respect for each other, I've always said that um, the respect that I have for you as a person, uh, that has always me always made me want to be a better person and better for you and, and always looking inside myself and seeing what I can change to make sure that I'm the, the best wife and mom that I can be. Likewise. That's why I scrub those dishes like no other. <laughs> I hear you, man. I'm right there with you. As I said, I was going to say, you know what I'm talking about, Andrew. <laughs> we're, we're dish bros. Yeah, it's my specialty for sure around here. <laughs> All right, guys, give us uh give us, a, give us the summary of what your, podcast is and sounds like and where the people can find it. Uh, so we initially started the podcast as a mental health podcast. Uh, what really spurred us along was last year in June, our friend committed suicide. And we just like we had been talking about mental health for so long to each other and how we should be doing something to raise awareness, but we hadn't done anything yet. So when he did that, um, that really pushed us in the direction that we needed. You know, we finally just said, okay, this is crazy. We don't know anything about podcasting, but we just need to do it. You know, we need to put this information out there and hopefully it helps somebody. So that's where it all started. Yeah. So we, we focus on the podcast. We focus on mental health. Um, we focus on parenting, what it's like to raise kids in an unconventional lifestyle. Jody shares nutrition tips. And I talk about poker, you know, we, and then we just talk about our life and what it's like living the life that we live. And, and whatever's going on that week or whatever topic we want to think about, we, we go into that. Um, and it comes out every Wednesday morning and it's called Raising the Nuts and it's on all the podcast platforms that you could find. Mm -hmm. I think that sums it up pretty much, right? Yeah. Oh, I also make uh, inappropriate jokes probably five <laughs> times an episode and then Jody cringes and kind of sits there silently for a while. <laughs> I like the kids stories personally, they're my favorite. I, and I feel like we haven't really told any of the kids stories lately. We used to end the episode with a kid yeah. story and we haven't done it in a while. Yeah. We've got to get back. Talking poker. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool guys. Well, it's been uh, fun chatting with you on all these different topics and uh, hopefully people I think will uh, very likely go and check out some of your, uh, your stuff, whether it's on YouTube or the, uh, the podcast mediums. Uh, where else? Where there's else? A these blog. Guys? There's a blog and there's nutrition tips. Raising children tips. There's poker <laughs> tips. What are you sharing? Is like books or your experience? It's a combination, right? Yeah, it's it's a lot of things. It's it's definitely both of our individual experiences with mental health. You know, I had a, a really bad panic attack at the end of 2013 that kind of altered the path of my life. I think as far as mental health goes, and I I've dealt with anxiety really uh, badly since then. 
Um, and so I've kind of made it my journey, uh, part of my journey to get my mind in the best possible shape I can and, and explore all the different avenues. So we talk, you know, we'll talk about meditation a lot and talk about the things that we find as far as uh, books, like you mentioned. So Lost Connections by Johan Hari was a, a big one that I'm reading right now. Love um, that book. And it's interesting. So from that book, something that I've been talking about now with a lot of people being in isolation right now is the fact that people need to feel like they belong to some sort of tribe or, you know, have that connection. And it's interesting to see the way that people are adapting in this time that with all these Zoom calls, like you guys mentioned at the beginning, I think people, hopefully a lot of people are finding different ways to connect. And, you know, we encourage obviously people to connect in certain ways to, so that they're not just isolated. But for me, I found that I'm actually connecting more with people on a social level, even though it's not one-on-one -on -one in person, it's, it's you know, through a, a computer, but people are connecting more in those ways. And obviously we encourage that for people so they're not feeling that sense of uh, isolation. For sure. Check out Raising the Nuts podcast, blog, blog, and all <laughs> things. Uh, thank you so much for spending your Saturday afternoon with us. I really thank you guys. It. Yeah, thank you.